All right, episode 10. Welcome to Defen. Uh, Ray McDermott in Belgium. And this is Vijay Kiran in uh, Holland or the Netherlands, depending on uh, how you see it. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you doing, Vijay? No, I mean, there is a CGP Grey video explaining, you know, what, uh, what, what Holland is and what Netherlands is and all, all the crap. So. But uh, technically, I'm in the Netherlands, and, but I'm still in Holland as well, because this is the part where I live in is actually part of the Holland, which was, I think, one of the provinces at some point. Okay. I'm actually in, I'm actually in Flanders. Oh, yeah. In, which in is the, uh, the northern half of Belgium. So there's three parts of Belgium as well. Like there's Flanders, there's Wallonia, and then there's the Brussels region. Okay. So I'm actually very, very close to all three, but I'm in Flanders. So is, is it the place where they speak Flemish? They speak Flemish in Flanders, yeah. Okay. They speak French in Wallonia. Okay. And they have different names for towns. Oh. If you're in Wallonia, then they call the Flemish towns something else to what the Flemish people call it. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> you, have, you have these road signs that say you're going to Antwerp, for instance. Yeah. 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 But it, if you're French, mm. Antwerp doesn't exist. If you're a Wallonian, sorry, if you're a Walloon, yeah, that doesn't exist. Okay. It, only, only, only Anvers oh, exists. Wow. Okay. I so think you have to go towards Anvers. It is probably only, only the French people that that actually translate the names of the places because i remember when first time i came here and they said okay this is the hague and then for the french people it's la haye or something like right. what is la haye uh, the hague oh, okay why do you have to translate place names just leave them alone you don't translate my name you know <laughs> <laughs> they're like proper nouns stop translating shit anyway we don't want yeah. to offend any french audience french language is awesome yeah. Uh, bonjour. C'est bon, c'est bon. C'est bon, yeah. Bonjour. <laughs> bonjour, mes amis. <laughs> My apologies to the French people. I, I didn't want to pick uh, on them. Anyway, so let's get on to the show. Um, this is a very exciting milestone for Defen. Yes, Because um, this is our 10th episode. So when we started, I think like five months ago or so, we thought we were going to be just a pilot and then we get cancelled and, you know, <laughs> everybody will be... <laughs> Just writing, just laughing at us. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but um, it has been an amazing experience, and and we hope to continue this. And 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 the the numbers were pretty awesome. Um, there there is a lot of feedback, uh, plenty plenty of good feedback from the community, and we are very excited to have a lot of guests over the period. And and also we would like to have more guests over the period as well. And so this is something that we are looking forward to. And I think we wanna we wanna try and uh, get the focus a little bit. Uh, more global, don't we? We've had we've had Robert from South Africa. We've yeah. had a few of the guys from America on. Um, we really haven't had, given the fact we're in Europe, we really haven't had enough Europeans on. So we're going to try and correct that over the coming months. Definitely, we'll have some people from the Euro closure um, that, that's coming up. But, of course. So but yeah, we're, we're going um, to make sure that we're going to hit our diversity quota. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're going to hire local. Then I'll start like this, and I'll keep speaking like this, like an Indian, you know. Mm, that'll be amazing. I'll be just keeping doing a proper Indian accent. I could. I actually couldn't tell any difference, to be honest. <laughs> I <really> couldn't. <laughs> what, yeah, that's, that's, do that again. Do that again. That's racist. Oh, I really that's not. That, that's the opposite. That's not me being colorblind. That's even me being voice blind. You know. No, I think I, <laughs> I need to talk like Apu from uh, Simpsons. Thank you. Come again. Something like that. Ah, okay. Now I'm doing it. Are you yeah. doing it now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Anyway. I apologize to my Indian friends now. 
How would that not insult the Indian? Oh, fuck. Okay, okay we've got the first so, but, but we are, we are, well. That's good. I think we are uh, very excited to have a uh, you know, double-digit episode of the, of the, of the podcast. And um, we have been doing it like every two weeks consistently. And thanks to the community support and people listening in. And, and obviously, we couldn't have done this without amazing guests showing up and, and teaching us a lot of stuff. And hopefully, you know, the people who, the, the folks that who are listening to this, hopefully you're getting some value out of it. And we'll continue to do this um, as long as, um, yeah, possible. <laughs> and uh, we, yeah. we plan to bring in more guests in and talk to them. And um, so, so you'll, you'll get all the closure knowledge embedded across the world, channeled through this podcast to you guys. It'll be always the latest, the greatest, the hottest vegetarian closure stuff you can possibly deal with. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Actually, the other thing we're doing is, is we're, we're experimenting with going very long, aren't we? We've, you know, we've went kind hmm. of like uh, for an hour, then yes. we went for an hour and five, an hour and 10, an yes. hour and 15. Last time it was an hour and 30. Yes. Uh, we're we're going to go for like, a, we're going to pull an all-nighter one of these days. You know? so, we'll, we'll <laughs> we're going to see boundaries. if anyone notices. Exactly. And then we'll know who are the hardcore fans of yeah. FM. There'll be just one person somewhere on the planet trying to figure uh, out what the hell is this and then continues. This is going to end, right? And then he'll be asking other people. <laughs> this, this should end at some point. But yeah, it's, it's been a very long episode, but I think it was very informative. The, the last one with Michael and Lucas, I mean, it was amazing. It was uh, really good. I mean, I think yeah. those, guys, uh, those guys really uh, gave us some gold, I think. Yeah. You know, it was... Uh, it's great, a great journey they're on as well. I mean, I think they're doing great stuff for the Closure community. Obviously, Big Data is an awesome place that Closure can really help with. Yeah. Uh, I'm really a big fan of their work. I think they're doing great stuff, and I'm, I'm really hoping that you know we can make more use of it in the future in yep. a commercial setting as well. Yeah. But so, if you're... Kudos, kudos to you, Lucas. Kudos to you, Michael, if you're listening. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so, uh, we'll be bringing in a lot of new guests and of course we'll continue to do this and before we get on to the show's main topic first of all let's uh, have some couple of interesting things uh, so the news and events so there is a um, uh, closed tray happened and uh, in in uh, Tampere I think in in Finland and all the talks are on YouTube obviously uh, they, they are they've been tweeted and everywhere we'll add some links to the um, to to our notes uh, show notes so you can check that out. And uh, Euro Closure is going to happen in October, obviously. Uh, we've been talking about it a long time. And uh, Ray and I are planning for something interesting to do at Euro Closure. Uh, we are working on the, the details, but um, both of us will be there. And maybe there will be some sort of a recording of, uh, of the speakers or people who are in the community would like to do a couple of interviews with them. That is certainly on the, on the, on the board. And uh, we'd also like to give away some swag, um, goodies uh, during the Euro closure. So uh, once we have more details, of, uh, we'll, we'll tweet about it, we'll tell the community and, uh, and we'll announce it in the podcast as well. So uh, those are the news and events. And uh, because this is, uh, we thought, hey, we, we keep introducing guests all the time. And I see a lot of people actually are very excited by having a guest on the show. So we thought, hey, we'll have a special guest. But this time, uh, for your um, impure amusement, we'd like to introduce you to Def Ray. Hello. Hi. This is uh, Def Ray, yes, impure amusement. I'm a self-styled closure comedian. The niches of all niches. If you're looking at niches, then 
come no further than the ultimate niche of closure comedy. Uh, it all goes back, of course, to, to Lisp. And uh, do you know the origins of Lisp, actually? Um, there was a graduate student of uh, McCarthy, and uh, he had a speech impediment. And it was a bit of a joke amongst the research community that Lisp processing, it's called the Lisp processing, and this guy was always having to say it again and again, and it was embarrassing. And McCarthy thought, I will make a great joke out of this. So instead of calling it Lisp processing, he just called it Lisp. <laughs> so it's basically a joke. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a nice way to offend like a bazillion people. That, that, that's how it started. Um, but, but actually, all, all the, uh, the, the fun in Lisp actually was, uh, was, was the beginning of Lisp was uh, defun. It was defun. But the problem with defun is that actually you literally remove all of the fun. Defun. You take all the fun out of Lisp. You know, it should be defun. That's what it should be. If you're talking to the kids these days, you want to have defun. Start with defun. Now, with closure, it went more better, and they, they literally removed fun, and it is just defn. You know, and, and this sh this this particular podcast shows that all the fun has been removed from closure. So, uh, luckily, luckily, we have macros. So I decided to inject all the fun back with a macro called def joke. Okay, and def joke takes uh, two parameters. It's a, it's a setup and a punchline. Okay, and def joke. Uh, it's pretty awesome, uh, but the failure, the, the first implementation of DefJoke, I'm afraid, was a bit of a failure uh, because it had absolutely no side effects. <laughs> so, so I, I remade DefJoke with DefJoke bang, okay? <laughs> because then inside of the body of DefJoke, uh, you have to test for laughter, and if laughter is present, then esteem is increased as a side effect. So with, with that macro in place, we're now able to perform high-order jokes, okay? High-order jokes, DJ. High-order jokes is where uh, a, uh, you, you get a joke and then you take back a joke. That's, that's the high-order joke. And uh, the best example of, uh, of a high-order joke is the, the, com the comedic heckle. So, so VJ, give it your best shot. So I need to tell a joke or something, or no, you need to you need to you need to make a joke about my jokes about how bad oh. I am. That's what a heckle is. <laughs> Fuck's sake! I'll cut this bit. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> I was, I was... I'm gonna harass this bit. For God's sake! Okay, you you you, you want to be harassed? Fuck! I'm not used to harassing white people, man. You have, you have, you have, yeah. <laughs> Okay, we'll take that one. <laughs> oh, God, okay. okay. So, yeah, look, I'm going to outsource it to you, all right? <laughs> Just carry it like that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are used to that. <laughs> this is all right, okay. right, one final bit, okay? Yeah. Uh, so, so, the next joke about, uh, the next joke uh, hmm. okay. <laughs> that, I've, uh, that I've created with Deaf Joke is about. It's actually about the way our industry works. It's about how everything, everything in this, uh, you know, there's a, uh, like this whole business about um, algorithms where you want to set up random stuff, the one-armed bandits. Uh, they have all these uh, bandit algorithms through Netflix, etc. And 
Well, what is the interesting thing about one app bandits is they produce random results. And, and in general, that's how people and every, every bit of IT is basically working on a one-armed bandit principle. And I'm going to give you some examples of that. First example is business asks IT to do something. It's a total fucking one-armed bandit. We haven't got a clue what they want. They haven't got a clue what they're asking for. They might ask for something where they get all sevens. We can do it in five minutes. Normally, it's not like that. It's going to take a week. Why? Don't worry. It's a one-armed bandit of fun. That's what you get. Then we get the job. We finally make a start. Okay, right, IT. What are we going to use? Oh, we're going to use a bunch of web frameworks. Which one are we going to use? I don't know. One-armed bandit. Bam. <laughs> web frameworks. They're in JavaScript. Awesome. Yeah. How is JavaScript going to work today? I don't fucking know. One-armed bandit. Boom. <laughs> right. Programmer options to compile to JS. Which one are we going to use? I don't know. One-armed bandit. <clears throat> JavaScript, looking at the browser. Well, hello, Tom. What are you going to do today? How are we going to work on CSS today? one arm bandit. Everything's good. Right, JavaScript view of V8. How's V8 going to work today? I've got no idea. one arm bandit. JavaScript view of ECMAScript. Which bit of ECMAScript is covered in any of the browsers? The, the V8s, the languages, the bits of hard... I don't know. one arm bandit. Java compiler, looking at C libraries. How much memory is going to leak today? I don't fucking know. One arm bandit. C library is looking at hardware. Hardware. Hi. How are you going to do? Are you going to destroy yourself? Are you going to have interrupts? I don't know. So one arm bandit. It's one arm bandit all the way down. <laughs> you did it, the audience. Thank you very much. That was our um, <laughs> our comedic interlude with. With Def Ray, <laughs> I think this this is this is like um, this is like I, I remember the show um, where in on comedy. Uh, sorry, what was that again? Um, Cartoon Network, some time ago. That's called uh, Sheep in the Big City, and then in that one, ev- after every show, there, at the end of the show, there is something called Ranting Swede. So okay. it's it's basically a guy coming onto the stage and ranting about shit for like two minutes continuously. They're like okay. meatballs. They're 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 meat, but they're not balls. They don't bounce. So why they're called balls? So I'm getting pissed off with this stuff. So <laughs> like we should have Defray interlude every now and then. You know, like <laughs> ranting. Let, let, let's try and bring him back if we can. Yeah. 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 Who yeah. he is, but you know, yeah. seems, seems seems quite like he's got his head screwed on a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But we are uh, very uh, tightly run show, so we might need to uh, <laughs> give him a couple of uh, parentheses every now and then. Uh, not real money or something. Maybe closure coins. We'll see. Yeah, give him a closure coin. <laughs> we'll start building closure coins. Let's let's keep his jokes in parentheses, though. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. Let's get on to the main discussion. Uh, so um, today we're going to talk about specs. Uh, we have been contemplating what to call the sh- uh, the, the show because we we were thinking special, as in spec is already there in special, and so this is a special show about spec. And then there was something like. Spec spectacularly awesome show or whatever but we'll let you guys decide you know what, what kind of show this is anyway so the point is we're going to talk about spec so uh, first of all what exactly is a spec so we have seen the announcement from rich hickey a couple of months ago if i remember correctly somewhere in april i suppose uh, as the first uh, incarnation of spec was un- unleashed onto this world by um, 
his holiness richiki onto the world and he said okay this is how thou shalt not write static typing shit on your closure but thou shalt write spec or something um so the the idea behind spec is is fairly simple as far as i understand because we have been trying closure is a dynamic language right so we have been trying to come to terms with how to write uh, correct programs or or get some sort of a guarantee on hey my program is not going to blow up at runtime this is the standard argument that that uh, static typing people have and again is dynamic uh, programming usually so one way to do that is essentially writing a lot of tests and then checking everything but there is no easy way to communicate to the other programmers you know what what your function means actually so type system does that to a certain extent because when you're writing in a type uh, statically typed language for example you can say hey my function takes an integer integer and a string uh, for some reason so number of times you want to repeat and number of lines you want to print and the string itself something like that so there is a function so that is um, that has been fairly useful because you can you can when uh, at, the, at the call site you can check um, what kind of parameters your function is going to take and you can guarantee that you can never pass it a double double and a character right so that's the basic idea behind type checking that gives you some sort of a guarantee now on the closure side of it because we don't have any static typing involved uh, there were a lot of tools like schema for example that was very popular uh, from now called plumatic schema if i remember correctly plumatic yeah, yeah. that's right originally the prismatic guys exactly were so prismatic guys were making it but that was very nice because you could define the shape of the data because usually you're, you're you're interested in the shape of the data not just the types themselves and how they relate to each other and also you want to have a bit more control on specifying okay this map must have these keys so you're talking about the content not just about the type so that was um, very well i'm i'm just giving like i think we're just giving a birds eye view of what, what it is uh, i'm pretty sure long time closure well, we, users remember know. we also had the uh, the closure type core typed as well yeah from ambrose so it's all gradual typing thing isn't it yeah. that's what we're kind of, it's kind of struggling with this notion that we don't want uh we don't want types everywhere because they're not useful everywhere on the trivial things yeah uh, but they are useful on some things <clears throat> like you say when you want to communicate some interface or yeah. where things are getting a bit sticky or a bit hairy or you would need to do some yeah some proper kind of uh, thinking or testing about those functions exactly so this is more like a surface typing right i mean the, the outside of the program should be able to tell you hey you cannot pass these things you cannot do these things well actually i think that's that's one use of it isn't it but yeah. i think in we'll, we'll we'll talk a bit later about the fact that spec offers a lot more than that as well yeah so it, it does it does give that kind of thing from a kind of contract perspective let's say that's what types off that's where you what you're talking about isn't it yeah exactly so the kind of like some contract to the caller yeah so so the contracts are i don't know if if um anyone who is listening to the show is familiar with racket so racket has this contract system that's basically making sure that your program um has some sort of a well they have, they have different types of um, contracts they have um, i think um for functions and for data structures and they have um creating a combinators for the contracts in 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 my understanding i think the closure spec is more or less similar to the the contracts in 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 racket because they 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 try to um like one 
part of the program uh, not knowing what the other part is doing so you are preventing those kind of issues so the usage of a function versus definition of a function or, or you know making sure that you know the types making sure that you know the data and giving rising appropriate error messages saying hey i expected this to be a boolean and you gave me a keyword or something so that that kind of things so that works pretty well in in racket I, in in my understanding maybe you know obviously the 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 best way to get information from people is being wrong on the internet right you know just tell somebody something <laughs> wrong and then they'll yeah. make sure that you get the right answer <laughs> so that that's what my opinion is if it is wrong please uh, you know just just heckle us on uh, on reddit or something anyway so i, I think i think there's more st- i think because raka is based upon a lot of more because obviously raka and contracts there's a lot more stuff underneath it isn't it they've got a m- more uh, their type thing has been going for a bit longer and they've got these yeah they have type kind of hygienic well. macros and all this kind of shit so yeah yeah their contracts, I think, are more complicated than 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 spec is. But on the other hand, spec has got spec is actually offering more affordances than contracts as well. Yeah, that's true. With the the testing stuff. Yeah. But um. But yeah, I mean, that's. I mean, you're right. That's what people want, isn't it? They want this kind of at the surface. They want this contract. Yeah, and, and also the ga- the guarantee. Some of that. And and also the guarantee and the communication, right? I mean, the communication between one programmer to the other. Because type systems are, are essentially, of course, they're they're communicating with with the programmer. So when you write code, when I read that code, I know what the type is and what it is doing. But it doesn't give me enough of um, um, constraints that you're going to put around it, because it's not just it's only talking about integer, integer, or number, number, and string. So it's not talking about what what is its name, what is its purpose, and what kind of properties that particular um, element can have so I, I need to specify because I'm, I'm calculating I think before the show we were talking about an example where there is a weight of the car and mileage of the car right and I, I want to make sure that the weight is less than the mileage you know otherwise it's <laughs> I don't think there is any <laughs> car in the world that just has more uh, mileage than its weight in, in the absolute well, no, numbers we, well actually mileage is zero at the beginning <laughs> So sorry, your, your test is a fuck up from the beginning. It's, it's probably the other way around. So the, the, no, it's it's just it's a terrible example. See, that's the that's you're the, wrong on the internet. The, exactly, that's that's the that's the advantage of being right. wrong on I'd the love, internet. I, I, actually, I'd like you to write that spec for next week. <laughs> so wait. Uh, I've done work for a car company, you know. Yes. <laughs> Let's not spend time on it, VJ. Though, come on. Okay. So, enough. Enough. <laughs> other examples here. Your, your general point is well taken. Yeah. <laughs> enough. Enough about car analogies <laughs> because those suck. We all know that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. So the, what, was it, what, was it, what were we talking about there? With the oh my god, the thing about the workflow. That's what I was going to say to you. Yeah. yeah because the big, the biggest problem, I think, because we're talking about types and contracts and all this other stuff. And that's all fine, but what we want to avoid with uh, what, what we like about closure is all this REPL stuff, all this stuff. We we can be free and we can just have the data, and we can be very data centric and very data oriented, and you know we can just play with our own maps and evolve it at the REPL and build it up. And that's really what we win with closure, isn't it? And we when we we don't want this spec stuff to get in the way of that. Whereas types do, don't they? That, that's the biggest thing. That I think we 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 want that balance, don't we? We want yeah. the balance between kind of like the freedom, the creativity of a of a of a language, which where types are not imposed upon us. 
but we want the kind of affordances of types where, where we need them. Yeah, that's true, because the, uh, well, it's, it's a different kind of thinking. So once you get used to the dynamic thinking, then, then you're not essentially thinking in terms of types, but you're thinking in terms of pure data. But, but the point is, uh, how do you then guarantee that, hey, my program is correct enough? So there, there, are, there are multiple ways, right? I mean, one of the ways that the type system guys come up with is if you have the right types, then essentially you have the proof that your program is correct because the compiler is, is validating it. But still the burden of proof, as in you need to define what, 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 what a correct program is in types. So you need to specify, uh, but compiler is gonna help you, that, that's pretty good with, with the static, uh, statically typed languages. But there are, there, is only, uh, there are some situations where you can't actually prove it. I mean, there is no formal proof. Of course, I can spend, some, some, spend more time but there are some, the, the relation between inputs or between inputs or outputs and inputs, how, how, do, you, how do you express in a, in a type system or how do you express it as, as a proof? So that makes it it's, uh, even more complicated. So that's what the specs are going to be helpful because it is still dynamic language. And so, so what about uh, higher kind of types and things like that in Haskell? Uh, uh, well, because in theory, you can have, you can have uh, a kind of uh, which we say almost like an algorithm or a kind of uh, set of semantics around the types with higher kind of types. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but to be honest, I'm not a, I'm not an expert about it. And well, I, I, we know I we got that far. we know we both are not experts. So you know we can just you know exchange our our. <laughs> well, I've heard people talk about it on the internet, so therefore I'm a kind of expert. You know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Give me a break a, here, come on. <laughs> are you a regular listener of Deaf and Podcast? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how? Oh, yeah, but anyway, but, but yeah, all I mean is that it, that may be possible. Uh, the, I guess the, the downside about that is you have to spend a lot of time pleasing the compiler, and that's, that's that can true. be something that you're happy to do. You know, I mean, if I know these guys who do this type checking stuff are really into it, and they they believe that it's they can get more correct stuff through Haskell and F sharp and all these other things, you know. Whereas I personally see it as a as a burden. So it's a, di I think it's just a different style, isn't it? You yeah. Know? Yeah. But we want we we do end up wanting the same kind of thing. We want you know we want the best of both worlds, don't we? Exactly. I mean, the really. the, the idea is that we our, our goal is the same, right? Our goal yeah, is to make yeah. sure that we write correct programs, or we need the tools to write correct programs. So there are yeah. there are multiple ways of achieving it, and type systems are one of those. So the yeah. so the argument here for specs is that specs are more uh, specs remove a couple of limitations or, or don't have the limitations that types have. That, for example, what what we can do or what we can prove. So that the advantage is that you can communicate better with other programmers. You can communicate better with other uh, tools, for example. You can communicate better with uh, during compilation time and, and everything and and also most of the time we're not just we're not just interested in the in the type itself we are interested in the value right i mean we can say hey it is yes. an integer it is an integer and we can we can keep saying that but what what we're interested in is hey whether my apologies i'm going back to the car again you know <laughs> a mileage you're putting your hand in the fire again <laughs> so if, if you say mileage i mean you you can't fucking have mileage like 2000 kilometers or something you know that's uh, of course you can why not on a full tank mileage is basically per 100 liters or something right or 
Ah, oh, okay, so Anne, now you're talking about fuel efficiency. I thought you meant like, you know, the number of miles that you've covered. No. Oh, God. Okay. okay. <laughs> see, that is the conflict. See, of the... Semantics, see? Semantics. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. See, that is, that's, so we, we can keep saying it is double, but, you know, the, the mileage means something different to you than, <laughs> I, than to me. <laughs> yeah, we've so, just ambiguated it now. That's good. Exactly. That's so, awesome. that, so that's yeah. where the spec is going to help because I'm going to write a spec that says, hey, this is what mileage means and this is how the mileage, this is what the mileage property is. And then when yeah. you're reviewing my code, you can say, what the fuck, mileage is kilometers. <laughs> why, why why is it like this? So that- Why is it kilometers per liter? Exactly. Yeah. So it it, it, um, it, it it makes more sense there, you know, uh, the whole specs idea. But now the most interesting part with specs, at least that, you know, uh, it has been uh, in Clojure, we keep saying everything should be a library, right? But in the case yeah. of specs, these are put into core. So, why not a library? I mean, why why specs are special, like special forms? So this is this is something fairly. Uh, I think I think uh, you were explaining that Richie was explaining why why these things are part of the core, right? Yeah, I think his argument was that even though it's not a language change, he wanted to make sure that it was sort of universal for all closure programmers to. Yeah to have this set of tools available to them. And that makes a lot of sense because, uh, like you said just a, a moment ago there about communicating, you yeah. know, um, if everyone has the same kind of tools and it makes communication between developers and between teams and between companies or whatever, yeah. you know, much more straightforward if that's if, if they're all operating on the same tool set because the, the, the situation we were in before was pretty ad hoc where we had schema and core typed and, yeah. check test and, and other, other, it was all kind of <clears throat> excuse me it was all a little bit uh ad hoc yeah, yeah. a little bit bric-a-brac so it, one team could use one standard it's still possible of course you can still use different standards yeah but the defaults and i think that's what i like about this approach is that the default now becomes a pretty good default a pretty good set of choices whereas and you don't have to look beyond the core environment to get the you know, a very good very powerful tool yeah so I think it makes sense that it is part of the part of the core because then you have some sort of a uniformity when people adopt this. Yeah. Then you have a uniform way of communicating it because, as we'll probably explore later in in terms of the the error messages in terms of um, the effect on the ecosystem, it it makes sense that everybody uses some well thought out uh, system, right? So yeah. Otherwise, look at look at schema for example. There are some libraries which adopt schema, which is pretty good. And and then some libraries which don't because that's not a that's not the default thing available in the language that you can just pick it up, so that's why I think it makes more sense to make it make it part of this one. And also I'm, I'm I think that is also the reason I don't know maybe we should uh, we should ask uh, Alex Miller or um, or Richiki that there are a lot of alphas they're, they're they're getting a lot of feedback from the community like okay, yeah, how yeah. how is it gonna pan out. So that's, I think we're alpha twelve now, aren't we? Something like that. Yeah. So it's so definitely uh, unusual. Getting, I mean, we see it from the from the mailing list. Yeah, that there's exactly. A lot of, uh, there's certainly a lot of heat. <laughs> there's a little bit of light, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but these kind of changes, I mean, they, these are fundamental and and part of the core, and that I think it should be part of the part of the core, not just a library. Because if if it is just a library, then you have this. Of course, it is still optional, right? I mean, you 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 don't need to write specs. You don't have exactly, to. Exactly. You don't have to. Yeah. So yeah. you still have an advantage of writing it because that helps you with, hey, now I've written a program, now I want to guarantee 
whether this program is doing what I what I want it to do and I want to communicate my intent so which tool I, I would reach for so this is something that that I think um, is, is very interesting yeah yeah I think I think the other thing as well is that if you're uh, if you're if you're building you know tools or whatever or if you're if you're building libraries then to start thinking okay well I know I'll schema seems to be very popular so I'll, I'll invest my time there yeah um, and I'm sure some people have done that yeah yeah uh, and now now they're kind of like sad because it's kind of going to become a bit less popular yeah um, whereas with this this thing if you put it in the core and we know that uh, the rich and the rest of the gang are behind it in the core team yeah then the tool vendors and the library guys mm. you know and ourselves of course you know we, we can feel a bit more comfortable that the investment we make in this uh, in this um, spec yeah. will have a long-term return on investment and yeah. I think that that is also uh, a reason to put it in the, in the 1.9 yeah that's true I think it's 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 one of those um, fundamental, you know, to use a cliche in a word, like a game changers. You know, this is this is this is the tool that that's part of the core, and this is something that you can reach out for, and and they're expressive. Uh, now we can. So what can you do with with a spec? So you can. Just, yeah, just yeah. one final point. Actually, yeah. was uh, the obvious library stroke user of spec is going to be closure script. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was something which wasn't actually unified before and then I saw David Nolan's talk at Closure Tray we mentioned earlier on. Yeah. Um and he, he that's what that's one of the things he mentioned in that talk is that parity with closure is a very important thing and, yeah. and it's the big work that they're doing now in Closure Script is to keep parity with the, the alphas. Um so they're a little bit behind, but they're only like one or maybe it's two alphas at the most behind. So this will also be very nice that you'll be able to translate the specs or use the use the power of specs mm. in closure script as well as in closure proper. Yeah. Sorry. Right. Yeah. So, so what what can you exactly do with it? So you can specify the it's it's essentially adding some sort of a type I don't want to call it type specification, but a specification for for a given data structure. So it could be um, for a function. It could be for a a data structure. Uh, it could be even for a macro, for example. So this has been one of the interesting. Um, things with, with macro is that you have this runtime and then you have this compile time and you can get errors in a pretty strange places that, that you can't debug properly. So the specs helps you yeah. to to identify, okay, where, where is my error and, and what is happening with that one. So there, there are lots of combinators available in, in specs. So you can say, okay, this has to conform to this particular um, uh, predicate, essentially. So you can say all the, all the parameters should be like this, and I think Stuart Holloway has an amazing series on on YouTube explaining the screencast, explaining all these um, uh, things. So I, I just don't want to. Yeah, there is no point in me talking about it. You know, it's if it yeah, is coming from the source. Yeah, we should make a link. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should make a link to those. Uh, exactly. Those so things. I would really recommend that, that those are bite-sized. I mean, smaller, fifteen minutes uh, screencast explaining what is the leverage that you get uh, by using specs and what are the tools that you get. Um, and how can you practically use specs uh, to to improve your programs? Now, the other uh, so so how do you how do you check these things? So so you have this uh, the the conformance testing and the validity of of your code. Now, once you run run the specs and quote unquote uh, or, or run the validation on it, you get you get all the results or the errors. 
but you get it in, in a form of a data structure, right? I mean, you, you get it as a, as a map. This has been. Well, yeah, I think I think you can have it as both, can't you? Yeah. You can come back just as a just as a string, or you can have it as data. Yeah, yeah. You can ask ask as a string, but I think this is this is a. Uh, I'm I'm still making up my understanding of, uh, uh, trying to get in terms with, having it as a map versus just, putting it as a proper error message. It's still like a seems like a strange uh, or a difficult choice because if it just prints out a huge map with with all the crappy things in it you know i need to dig through it is essentially like well i don't want to compare it to a stack trace but you know you know what i mean right i, mean, I, I see the well, huge map detail and i, I want to get into this almost, almost worse than a stack trace in some ways because there's <laughs> yeah. order in stack traces yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's guaranteed yeah yeah uh, yeah but uh, yeah i think uh We've seen some stuff on a, on the mailing list, yeah. like you say about um, the, the cursive errors, 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 errors getting worse, and uh, yeah. you know, and we saw some discussion that oh yeah, yeah, everyone has to learn how to read specs. It's like for Christ's sake, you know, I thought it's meant to be optional. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, so if if the uh, if the call language is going to emit errors as spec failures, well, yeah. Jesus Christ, <laughs> you know, it's not very friendly. I mean, the whole point about this thing was to try and make it a bit more friendly for beginners and to help it to spot errors and things like that. So yeah. I really hope, and we can we can ask Alec about that. Um, yeah. You know, oops, surprise guest, spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, we're we're going to have him on the show pretty soon. And um, yeah, God damn it, we hope so. <laughs> yeah, we better come on now, <laughs> and uh, we can ask him a bit about that because yeah. I, I think the the opportunity there is the opportunity is definitely there to improve matters. Yeah. So. You know, hopefully that's taken. You know, I, I think the map thing is quite interesting from a from a tool vendor's perspective. Yeah, I think you were saying earlier about what that there was some concept of not wanting to vary it too much. Yeah, exactly. Tools. Because the the idea is that if if the if the results of a spec are shown as a map, then if you leave the tool vendors like the IDEs or you know Emacs or anybody to decide how they are rendered, how they are... I think vaguely they do count as tool vendors. I know it's... Yeah, yeah, of course. I don't really agree, I mean, but, you know... It, sure. In my mind, vendor is a bit more <laughs> derogatory. I mean, people are doing amazing contributions <laughs> to them. These are all open source stuff, and they're giving stuff away for free. So, you know, they're, they're doing it for love, not not to sell shit. So, um, anyway, but the, 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 the problem is there that... Aren't they, aren't they getting calmer? Isn't that their... Uh, uh, yeah, of course they are. <laughs> yeah, uh, the universe is loving them. Exactly. There, there is some universe juice flowing into them. <laughs> anyway, back to... Sorry, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, yeah. The, the fundamental issue there is that it depends on how the tool interprets the map of results. So this is one of the contention points yeah. because we just discussed mileage right you know <laughs> it, it it means it means different thing to you it means different thing to me you know well, you're wrong yeah uh, <laughs> well i don't think 2 billion indians would say that <laughs> because we have advertisements saying mileage amazing mileage <laughs> no no we're, actually we're both wrong and we're both right and that's the that's the fun thing about it you know that the contextuality uh, matters right i mean it, it, exactly exactly yeah. exactly so yeah. and that, that's your point about the error messages yeah, exactly fact, if, yeah, if, yeah. if if cursive is going to interpret or show these results in a different way than than emacs does or vi does or or nightshade it'll does. probably do it'll probably do it in a better way i think yeah uh yeah not better than emacs though <laughs> but uh okay i understand it'll have more colors I, I i understand you want to get a free license from colin <laughs> but, but i'm happy to give him my money it's okay yeah. <laughs> 
but that, that is a fundamental contention point here. But in, in my opinion, I still think that when, when you're running it without any tools or something, it should still be friendly. I mean, it is user experience, right? I mean, you can't ignore it. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There, there should be a. I agree with you. I mean, there should be a decent universal sort of baseline of of of, of at least okay error messages. Exactly, because think think about because we are talking about specs, and and you can you can test them during compile time, and you can also use it at the runtime. That means at runtime, I'll end up this shit in in the log. So there, yeah, yeah. I I see completely different picture. Uh, well. All the closure programmers are smart; they can figure out shit. But you know, you want to reduce these these brain cycles people spend on understanding their messages because this has been a big talking point about closure since the beginning. Closure error yeah. messages suck, so there have been multiple tools that have been built around it. So anyway, I think there, but there are actually it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Because I think there are two parts to this. I think one part is the kind of like the the forming of the error messages. Yeah. Think that they're. I think the engineering team at, at Cognitech are struggling to have mm. to to find a way to present good error messages. Yeah, I think there are examples out in the wild, but yeah. I think for whatever reason, maybe it's just engineering budget or whatever. Yeah, they're they're really. I think they still haven't found a really nice way to 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 go Elm on this shit. As yeah, they say. exactly. I mean, you know? the Elm guys are um, doing pretty great, by the way, right? I mean, if you see their error messages, they're well. I haven't used it, so. This is still the demo effect, probably. You know, you just see some tweets every now and then, and then you see, wow, that's amazing. It can just pinpoint uh, the information. But I, I think, I think spec well, they, has they, the they same potential. On, they... Sorry, please so, carry on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so specs have the potential. I mean, to be like Elm error messages, right? But it is not the default. That's the problem. I, I think part of the problem. I mean, you have to, you have to remember also what Elm is. Elm is a type language. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and that, so it. In some respects, mm. it's fed more data yeah. than than the uh, than the closure yeah, equivalent yeah. is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, but but they definitely do some nice things, and it, they do. Uh, other guys like Colin and like uh, Bruce, Bruce Hamlin and Colin Colin Fleming, those guys in their respective tools yeah. are trying their best to 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 find nice ways of expressing configuration errors or other kinds of errors. And um, I mean, my point is that, for whatever reason, th those guys are finding it difficult to. They've got the data, but they're finding it difficult to express yeah. that message in a kind of human way. And that's partly because of the semantics of English or the semantics of the error or yeah. whatever. And that's, I think that's a hard problem, to be honest. That's and true. Good. I th I wish them good luck with it. Yeah. it, it you know, please make it happen. Yeah. You know, but <laughs> I don't exactly know how it's going to work. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we've got some examples out in the wild, so you know, work it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not a student exercise. I mean, I, you know, I know they've got some serious engineering brains on this thing, so it's definitely not an easy problem. Mm. But what 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 I think is the other part of this error messaging thing, mm. which was a problem for closure, yeah. was the fact that because it's a dynamic language, you know, all this macro stuff, transforming macro A to to form, you know, from from the macro. F uh, outer form to the inner form to the mm. as you keep on recursively expanding the macros and then you get an error halfway through yeah. then it sort of bonks yeah and you kind of lose the context and, and now in theory this should help there yeah in theory the transformation of macros should help now again 
I want to separate that out from the kind of forming of the error messages, mm. but the pinpointing of where the error occurred, at mm. least, should be done better. Because that's, that's one of the biggest problems I think we've had mm. in Clojure from day one is error messages are shit, that's for sure. I mean, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to pull any punches on that. You know, yeah. it, They're often really terrible. Yeah. But the thing... And what you end up doing is just sort of saying, oh, what did I do last? I'll undo that. And, oh, what's the difference? Oh, I see. Mm. Uh, it's not always that obvious even. But yeah. but what I, what I was going to say was the um, the bit that's, the bit that's horrible is the bit where it just you suddenly get this error message and you've got, you just don't know what it's telling you. Mm. You've got no clue. Mm. And it's got tribal knowledge, basically, yeah. on the use group to say, oh, I think it's probably that. Yeah, have you right. done this? Have you done that? And it's it's all just tribal the knowledge there. Yeah. And we want to get rid of that tribal knowledge crap. Mm. You know, the the compiler should know where the fuck the thing went wrong. Yeah. And I get why it's hard, yeah, but yeah. I think this spec thing should help. Yeah. And I've got high hopes. You know, yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll, we'll see yeah, how, how it yeah. pans out. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I think there is so, a lot of lot of community feedback coming in, and I see a lot of um, discussions on the mailing list, and hopefully uh, we'll get to a price where. Uh, specs are going to be a nice uh, default thing that that we can uh, work on. So the the runtime checking, obviously you can you can use specs to check during runtime as well because uh, you can use the provided functions like valid or uh, confirm, for example. You can even do that during runtime. So you can say, hey, this is the data that I got. Does it conform to the spec that I have? Now I can take a decision or throw an error message or something. So specs are, are, are there during compile time and during runtime as well. So that is really helpful. And the other advantage is that... Oh, by the way, you, that's optional as well, isn't it? You yes, don't have to yes, do that. Yes, yeah, yes, you can, exactly. You can, choose, you can choose only to conform yeah. so and it, just use them as a sort of uh, documentation. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You're, you don't need to do... You, there is no have to at any point. So it's all optional. So the tools are available... If you want to use it, you can use it. And now, now because we are we are specifying the behavior of the functions or the properties of the functions, the the one thing that that's really exciting about specs for me at least is is that you get automatic generative testing, automatic property based testing. Yeah, that is that yeah, is that, amazing. That is massive. Yeah, that is yeah massive. That, that's that's a spectacular advantage that you get because you don't need to write tests separately, and then you just generate them. Yeah. Spectacular. Yeah, yeah spectacular. You, you've done it, yeah. <laughs> I think they should just name it spectacular. <laughs> they should really, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's well, okay, so anyway, it. yeah, I agree with you. I mean, because um, that's uh, also, I, I saw Stuart Holloway's um, video about yeah. that, about how to leverage these testing things. Yeah. And um, there's some really nice use cases there as well about how you can modify the inputs and the functions and the properties to, to tweak Yep. the generative testing um, models yep. so that they give you the right type of data, the right type of testing. And so you can take all the defaults, yeah. but you can also tweak it to say, okay, well, you know, this, this, you know, give me a, give me a lot of non-zero values, exactly. for instance. So you can you write know. your own generators. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think there are a couple of very nice talks on Clojure TV. For example, on EuroClojure, there is a talk about generative yeah. testing. Uh, in in couple in, in a lot of places. I mean, the, the the central idea being that you don't write tests to check the values, but you write tests as properties that that your code should conform to. So I, you, I think that, yeah, I think that the the fundamental conceit behind some of these things is yeah. that unit tests are laborious and exactly. boring, yeah. and all all they're often doing is is kind of 
part bad, badly essentially mm. specking out the behavior of a function yeah and you know i remember well, i don't remember i know for a fact there were people at work <laughs> yeah. this very day well not this day it's a sunday hopefully yeah. they're off <laughs> but you know there <laughs> there are people at work on the open source i'm sure you know yeah. writing tests writing tests are you let people me do you my outsource test. to and then yeah 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 <laughs> Writing tests, writing tests, writing tests. What the fuck are you writing all these tests for? Yeah. You know, you're just doing what the machine could do far yeah. better. Yeah. And, we, you know, they don't get tired. You know, it's like the sort of term- Terminator argument. It doesn't <laughs> get tired. Yeah. <laughs> it never gives up. Yeah. <laughs> and also it's, it's, it's better at giving you the heuristic-based estimation where, when your program is going to fail. So that, that, that makes more sense. You know, make the computer do the grunt work. You, know, you don't have to think about okay how many possible edge cases are there and, and how many unitas do I need to write but yeah, again the, the the fundamental advantage here is that if you're because you're using specs they are pretty much what you're specifying the properties of a given function so yes that that gives you this amazing leverage of generating generating tests or generative tests so that is something that is uh, pretty cool so there, there are lots of information online I think we, we can uh, link to all, all of those things um, a couple of things that before we wrap up, I sorry, just just one small point on that yeah. is that I think there's a lot of um, uh, I think what's interesting about this is back to this sort of you know not exactly anti-Java or anti-type checking people, mm-hmm. but obviously generative testing is it's good for those guys as well because in the end it tests the heart of your function, yeah. not just the types that are being passed in. So anything that sort of, I would say, anything that promotes the ease of use of that thing, hmm. then, then you're kind of winning. Because yeah. if, if, you're writing, if you're writing a, type, a typed system, hmm. then you have to write some properties separately from it. Yeah. You know, this is where I think Rich calls it leverage or hmm. leverage. He yeah. calls it leverage, I call it leverage, but oh. you know, we can still be friends. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> so, 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 I mean, you know, the, the, the basic idea is that you, you make some investment there and you get a lot back and you get a lot of rewards for doing one thing. Whereas in in the type system, you still have to write your unit tests or you have to write this other thing, mm. this property-based yeah, testing yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, so if you're a Haskell programmer, you have to use quick check. Yeah. If you're a job, all these checks. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're a closure programmer, guess what? You can write your, you can write your things. You yeah. get all these advantages and which is superb yeah. yeah yeah but we still need to see what is what is the effect on the on the ecosystem once once specs reach the release mode you know we're, we're really curious you know how how the tools or ides are going to pick it up and how the how many um, because they going back to the the community feedback because um the, the specs are now now essentially making some of the closure code backward incompatible so that is something that that for example the require in the namespace thing there, there is a huge disc- there, there is some some discussion on the on the mailing list about it um essentially making because people were using the yeah uh, the symbol yeah the the symbol uh, instead of using the symbol directly calling require in the namespace and and now it is now enforced by spec uh, and it is raising an error and yeah, it should be a keyword not a symbol exactly yeah. so that 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 is the kind of things that that we might face and and i know uh, Alex Miller has been opening some nice pull uh, pull request for the program for the for the open source software where uh, you need to fix the code base, but there seems to be 
at least some sort of a common understanding in the community that hey spec is going to help us so we should adopt it and then use it in one go but it, this, this is the first time closure has ever broken the backward compatibility promise right i mean there, there wasn't much uh, issue in in the past I mean, with all these releases from all the way from 1.0 so well I, th i think it's interesting isn't it because there's there's a sort of debate about whether that's really a backward compatibility issue yeah that's or true. whether it's just a kind of bug fix yeah because you but it's, it's really an interesting problem because on the one hand uh i, I count it as a bug fix so mm -hmm. supporting broken behavior doesn't count as breaking backward compatibility That's in true. many ways. You know, I look at I look at this thing with with uh with Mike with with Sun or Oracle. I don't know if, I can't remember if it was Sun or John or, or Oracle. Yeah. But they they changed something to do with the way that oh no, it was when Oracle took mm. over Sun. Mm. They they changed the, the, the copyright string, I think, in okay. the system properties. Yeah. Yeah. And it, they changed it to be Oracle and not Sun. So it was so it was either one one less word or something. Yeah. It broke a lot of code because yeah. people were well. I'm just I'm looking for Sun microsystems. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the Sun compiler. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, mate. You know, but yeah. That that was not that was not it was not a valid use of that of that yeah. thing. And they were mourning and bitching. Oh, why do you change this? Uh, no, yeah. that wasn't the right thing to do. You know, you 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 happen to take advantage in this case it wasn't take advantage of they just yeah, they yeah. just made often most of these library guys will just made a mistake it will just it would have just went past the compiler yeah exactly the, pro so. the, pro the problem with it is actually is that it's the ripple effect that's the problem isn't it, mm. it, it, it of course it, in my opinion it should be corrected the, mm. the interesting problem is the fact that if i change it mm. if, if it if it if it's like that then ah okay well If I have to upgrade my version, then you have to upgrade your version, upgrade your version. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. That, that, that's, that's the problem, I think, is yeah. that you're forcing people to do upgrades and yeah. code that worked before yeah. now doesn't work anymore. Well, at, at some now. point, you need, to, you need to move forward and then remove the wires and release wireless uh, earpods. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point, I, think, I mean... There yeah. is this, this well, I mean, this is a very benign change. I think this is it is this is, is this is not a radical change. This yeah. is a small wart that's being removed. Yeah, that, yeah. You know, that was essentially a bug. That's true. Uh, that allowed this you know behavior yeah. to go wrong. So I, yeah. I think removing that little wart is yeah. is okay. I, I, I'm more for that. Yeah. So you're gonna buy uh, the the airports or the when, airports. That that was uh, you know when not, when I first saw the advertisement, I was like. God damn it, they're removing the wired things. But then I realized, I mean, after a couple of days, I was taking out all the fucking wires from my bag and they were entangled. I was like, fuck yeah. this thing. I'm, I'd rather lose my earpods <laughs> than, than fighting with the shit wires tangling all the time. <laughs> yeah. I must, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a pair of uh, wired headphones now. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, me too. But, but only, only for the sake of this, this podcast, actually, because I, I bought a pair of uh, wireless ones. Okay. And I'm far, far happier with them. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I wear the wired ones now is just because I don't want to, don't want to have the interference and I don't want to experiment yeah. for this show. Yeah. But I will do that in I will do that in the future. I, yeah. And honestly, I I think wired is is I hate It's wires. Gone. You know, yeah. I hate wires. <laughs> you have to have wires for some things, but yeah. but I think oh, they've done all right. They, we're off the topic by a fucking mile now, though. <laughs> Sorry. You know? uh, but I, anyway. I think it's fine. I yeah. think they're doing all right. They're, yeah. they're actually building a bridge as well. They've got a little plug, so it's okay. Um, so <laughs> yeah. backward so, compatibility so, is retained. Yeah. So anyway, what I was going to say was the um, 
So, so there's that, there's that small thing, yeah. And like you said, a better tooling. Hopefully, yeah. we'll see the error messages coming up and yeah. the other things. And one of the things that uh, Rich was talking about as a goal for um, for spec actually was the versioning part, mm. um, because one of the things that Elm does, and I don't know if you know this, but what mm. Elm does is, let's say you make a change yeah. to some type or some function, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, it knows it, it's it's aware of what the of what the semver um, yeah. spec is, what the spec semver contract is, and if you make a change to your program, it will tell you whether to bump the patch version, the minor oh, version, or the okay. major version. That's nice. So it, it it's really nice, yeah. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and what he's saying is that that that's what spec will allow us to do as well. It will allow us to to understand whether we've actually made a change that, okay. that breaks something in a more mathematical sense. So, yeah. you know, if, if, we're, if we're removing one thing from a set, mm. then, okay, it's fine, you know, yeah. uh, we, can, we can do that. Okay. Uh, and I think, I think that concept, it's not something which spec delivers on now or, you know, whatever, but mm. it's maybe something which maybe, as you could imagine, Boot or Leinigan or you know, claw jars or yeah. there, there could be some tooling around that environment to say, oh, you know, uh, this way, like, you know, is providing, yeah. that, that, uh, there's a, there's a, there's a plugin, well, actually it's not a plugin anymore for Lanigan called Pedantic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that Pedantic plugin does certain things about the dependencies yeah. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you could imagine something maybe it's like that here yeah. where you could say, okay, this version, I see the spec here is like that. And the spec, it's going to take a while to get everything specced up, I guess, mm. to the point where that's useful. Yeah. But, uh, but I think there's more chance of that happening with spec being in the core. Yeah. Cause I think, uh, uh Ambrose Bonner Sargent always says, you know, Oh, come on guys, do the core type. Yeah. Do, for for your libraries. libraries. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think people <laughs> can't be asked. I mean, exactly. I, I'm sorry, but it's yeah. just not something, uh, I, I wish him the best of luck. Yeah. But I but I really I, I think it's it's somewhat quixotic to think that, that everyone's gonna do it when it's a non default. Yeah. It's not part of the normal thing. It's you know, there's there's the only real benefit is for for the greater good. Yeah. The nice thing about spec is that the actual library author gets some benefit well, you could argue that they get some benefit with core types as well, but yeah, yeah. you get a lot more benefits with, with, with using uh, with spec. Yeah, that's true. With this all these kind of yeah. packages that come together so i think that you'll see a, a lot bigger adoption of spec than you yeah. have of these other platforms and these other toolkits sorry these other, these yeah. other toolkits yeah. anyway i think that's uh, that's pretty much it i think wow yeah yeah uh so i i mean of course spec is still evolving uh, there are a lot of alphas yeah. and i'm pretty sure people are checking it out and um we'll we'll post all the links that that we know of and um uh we'll Put the show notes on defen.audio as usual and uh, you will see our uh, episode on soundcloud and uh, also on itunes and it would be very nice if you guys if you folks can uh, you know give us some feedback or at least you know rate it um, on on itunes and soundcloud uh, then we, we become even more popular and then we, we get to have more guests on, on the show and uh, instead of us boring you all the time um so that's that's pretty much it from us, I think, and um, and we'd like to give a quick end credits, uh, Ray. Uh, yeah, just a final thank you to uh, Pizzeri for the intro outro music. Um, he does a good job every week. He's always there for us with his vegetarian intros and <laughs> outros. 
the melon hamburger. And uh, yeah, I think that was that was uh, that's very good. Uh, well, uh, what can I say? Happy tenth episode, VJ. Yeah, I'm, happy, I'm, uh, happy uh, tenth episode to you as well. Before we fi- finish off, actually, I think it's it's quite fun because me and you met for I don't know half an hour at the Dutch Closure Days, and yeah. we've spent far more time doing this podcast than we've ever done. You know, in person or anything like that. We're yeah. going to be together for the first time again after that at the, at the uh, Euro Closure. Yeah. So it will actually be good to see you again. Yeah. And uh, to, to well. hang out, it'll be really good. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed doing these shows. We've we've done the first ten. Yeah. It's been good fun. I think we can do another ten. Of course. I mean, I'm. I'm it's all your idea, obviously, and uh, I'm. I'm really happy to be part of this one. And and for the folks who are listening, I mean, there is tremendous amount of work Ray puts in, in into this show. I just oh, usually on, on on the Sunday evening I just show up and then plug in the mic and then start blabbering into the microphone and then I just go to sleep. But uh, I, I cut most of it out in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. But um, yeah, I mean it, this has been an incredible opportunity for us to to you know every every other weekend uh, talking to you and also you know having all these guests to learn from, and hopefully the people who are listening and they're they're getting some value out of it, and uh, we'd we'd love to hear from you, um, and. We hope to take it to, I don't know, triple-digit episodes, hopefully. We'll see. Wow, that, well, that would be pretty phenomenal. <laughs> All right, mate. See you next time, mate. See you next time. Okay, bye. Yeah.